you have asked if we had a good vacation. We did. We were away three days and uh, saw some grandchildren over near Atlanta, so it was a good vacation. Thank you for that. But we missed being here last Sunday. We always do. John chapter 16. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Let's bow together. Lord, will you now show us from your word and by your spirit the things that you desired not just for us to know about you, but that we might know you better. Even if that's not our desire at the moment, Lord, that is our greatest need. And so, 
We pray that you would give us open hearts and minds. Give us a real focus upon the Lord Jesus. Will you remove any distractions that we've brought into this place from our life, from things that are, is going on or things that will be taking place later today or, or next week? and enable us to see more of Jesus. We would ask this in his precious name. Amen. So Jesus is about to take his place in heaven. They didn't know that up to that point. Knew he was going away. Here's what he says in the second part of verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? So he finally tells them where he's going. They had said, they want, we want to go with you. We don't want you to leave us behind. They had experienced all kinds of, of confusion, all kinds of distress. And now they hear where he's headed. They were distraught partially because he hadn't said where he was going. So it didn't even make sense to them in all likelihood, why they couldn't go with him. And then we see the, the disciples' reaction. Look at verse uh, 6. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, for those who study grief, they will more often than not talk to you about the various stages of grief. There's, there's a lot of different words for these stages, a lot of different views about these, but, but in general, uh, they usually include these stages. Not everybody goes through them to the same degree, some people get stuck in some of the stages. Some move through some of the stages quickly and then others uh, not so quickly. But most will experience these to one degree or another. The stages generally go uh, in this order. Denial, anger, Bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now, he had just said that I've told you these things and there is sorrow in your heart. If you look through the Gospels, this one and the other Gospels, I believe you can see all of these stages being expressed by followers of Jesus. 
Now let's see how he addresses that, that sorrow. He tells them that it actually was better that he go away. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. To our advantage? How, how could this possibly be the case? How could this be good for us? Even discussion among themselves, they would not have come to that conclusion. Okay, it's, it's a good thing. None of them told each other that. I'm sure it's a good thing. If, if, if Jesus is going to go away, I'm sure it's good for us. Far from it. They were grieving. So why was it better? Why would it be to their advantage? And by extension, if it was to their advantage, if it was better for them, then it must be better for us as well. Of course, he was speaking to them, but we are his disciples as well. Well, he explains. He gives the, the short answer. Is Here's why. So the Holy Spirit will be sent. That's why it's to your advantage. Verse 7 again, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, last week, Mark did a, a wonderful job in terms of uh, talking about uh, the advantage of the disciples that uh, and we would have because of the sending of the Holy Spirit. He talked about how um, if Jesus were still here and he were in one place, everybody would want to go there. All, all of his followers would want to go there. There would be, you know, let's, let's do another trip to Israel or wherever he was. And the likelihood of getting anywhere near to him, well, it just wouldn't be likely. And he was exactly right on that. And so when he sent the Holy Spirit, that means that the Spirit of Christ dwells within each of his followers. And so Christ is here. And if I'm somewhere else, Christ is there. So in the, the most real sense possible, he is always with us, and that was his promise. If he had not sent the Spirit, that would not have been the case. Let's look at the other side of it as well. What if he went to heaven and he didn't send the Spirit? What would it be like? Well, then, not only would he uh, still only be in one place, but it wouldn't be here on the earth. We could not make a pilgrimage to him and, and hope to be near him or, or watch him on TV or whatever it would be in, in our day and age. But we would be saying, he is 
somewhere in a room in this universe, in outer space, I guess, sitting there in judgment. But there was a better plan. And that's why the Spirit was sent. So, he continues on to give them comfort. They're grieving. He continues to teach more about the Holy Spirit. And he says it's so he can do his work. Now, look at how Jesus describes that work. Verse 8, convicting the world of sin. He says when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and, and judgment. Now, over in Acts chapter 17, it says this. Now, he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So here's the point. Jesus departing from the earth meant that justice was on its way for all of us one of the most frustrating things that we face in this life is a sense of injustice and so uh, Jesus uh, would eventually bring judgment, which meant justice, to this place. Let me explain. In the prophet Joel, we're given a picture of the Messiah sitting uh, and, and judging all nations, sitting in the posture of judgment. He'll sit on the throne for the final judgment. But in the case of Jesus... When we think of of judgment, here's how we need to think of it. The judge is also the mediator in the case of Jesus. The judge is also the advocate for his people. The judge is also the prosecutor and the defense attorney when it comes to Jesus. When he left this earth, Things were not just. Even now, justice hasn't been completely fulfilled. But his going meant this, that the process had had started that the psalmist is longing for. When he says, how long, O Lord, will the wicked prosper. Do you ever wonder that? How long, we may say it this way, will they get away with it? It seems like they, whoever the they are, seems like they always get away with it. And so, The psalmist cried out. The martyrs and their blood cries out for justice. 
And when we talk about the martyrs, don't think we're just talking about back in Jesus' day or in the early church. There are Christians in this world being martyred as we speak. Don't forget that. And yet, when their blood is shed, it cries out, How long, Lord? When will there be justice? And then for, for us, when we see suffering, when we see difficult things happening to, to us or to those we love who are seeking to, to follow Christ, and the question is, how long, O oh Lord, will we living in this fallen world have to deal with all of this? And the answer is, as C.S. Lewis would say, Aslan is on the move. He's coming. He is in the process of moving toward making all things new and all things right so that we won't be asking those questions when he comes. And it was at this point that he had begun that journey. And he sent his spirit. So we continue to see his work concerning sin, it says, verse 9, because they do not believe me. Now, that's a statement that we simply cannot underestimate in terms of its importance. It would be easy to just skip over that. Sure, he's, you know, he's, he's taking care of sin, and yeah, it's, it's them not believing. But I think too often when, when we know of people that don't know Christ, our focus can be on what I would call the, the presenting sins. In other words, the, the things that are the most obvious that don't fit with being a Christian. And the tendency, whether it is uh, a, adultery or some kind of an addiction or uh, a drunkenness or uh, any, any kind of a, an obvious sin, the tendency is to think, yes, if they need to, to deal with that. Now, there's no question that at some point those things need to be dealt with. But Jesus makes it very clear right here what the, the most serious sin, the ultimate sin, the worst, if you will, is not believing in him. He, he doesn't say here, and it would have been a great place to do that if that's the way it worked. He doesn't say, here's the gospel. Get your life together. Quit committing adultery. Quit being a drunkard. Get these things together, then come follow me. 
He doesn't say that. He doesn't address those things here. They're addressed certainly in the Scripture. But he says, here's what the Spirit's going to deal with concerning sin. Their problem is they don't believe in Jesus. And so if those other things are taken care of and, and wiped out of somebody's life, they are nowhere if they still don't believe in Jesus. But if they believe and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life, then those other things then can be addressed. And they're not just addressed in, in the power of positive thinking or, or willpower. Instead, they are addressed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why that comes first. And then he talks about uh, verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now, different commentators have different ideas. Hard to imagine, isn't it? About, actually, about all of these, these statements. But, but here, and, and I want to approach this from, from two different ways, uh, that the Holy Spirit convicts the world about righteousness. The one way is a conviction about false righteousness, and the other way is pointing to Jesus, who is the true righteousness. And I think the Holy Spirit actually works in, in both of those. The Pharisees and many of the Jews had a false righteousness. And by the way, it, it, it didn't stop with the Pharisees and the Jews. A lot of people claiming Christ have a false righteousness as well. Their thinking is that they could please God by what they do and what, what people see them do. Uh, James Boyce tells of a group of prisoners during the war. They had received care packages, and one received a Monopoly game. Uh, soldiers, being soldiers, took the money and began to use it as the camp currency. The way they used currency was by gambling with card games. One of the soldiers in that particular camp evidently was a better card player than most of the others, and he accumulated uh, a lot of the mon Monopoly money and was able to buy and sell and things that they used it literally as a currency. After the war... He came home, and he took his currency to the local bank. <laughs> he had become so convinced that it was real currency that he was ready to deposit it. Of course, they said, that's fraudulent. We can't take it. It's, it's just paper. And then Boyce goes on to say, basically, human righteousness is like the monopoly money. It has its, its uses in this game we, we call life, but it's not real currency, 
and it doesn't work in God's domain. And that's our tendency, isn't it? Things that we think are of such value and God will really love this about me. It's monopoly money. It's only, that's a false righteousness and all that should do is point us to the true righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the only real currency with the Father. And then he talks about judgment, verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. The ruler of this world is judged. This week in our reading challenge, we, uh, we read in 1 John 3, verse 8, it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We sometimes forget that. Yes, he came to save his people from their sin. How did he do that? By destroying the works of the devil. That's why he came. And then there's another benefit, and he says that he will guide you into all truth. Verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Here's what was better for the disciples. Here's what was better for everyone. That Jesus be at the right hand of the Father and that the Holy Spirit dwell inside believers everywhere at all times. That's what Jesus was saying. It will be better for me to be at the right hand of the Father. And when I go there, I will send the Spirit who will then do his work. And that's what's better for all of us. This passage started, and it was really... uh, Uh, a continuance from the passage last week. But it started this way. I have said all these things to you, the first part of the chapter, to keep you from falling away. This is why. I don't want you to fall away because here's what's going to happen. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That's how twisted things will be. And they will do these things because they have known the Father, have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. These disciples were going to undergo awful circumstances. The suffering of seeing uh, their master tried and tortured and crucified and dead. Then they would see him rise from the dead. But then after he ascended into heaven, they would be undergo persecution. And most of them, as we have talked about, all but one, 
would die under the persecution. They were going to undergo these things. But even for them, it was better that Jesus go to his place in heaven. Why? Let me illustrate. We see in the book of Acts that Stephen had preached a sermon where he, uh, this was after Jesus was ascended into heaven, where he talked about the, the history of Israel, but he also talked about what they had done to Jesus. Stephen was being condemned by the ruling council of Israel. And let me read to you what happened. In Acts 7, verse 54, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, this is Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears and and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. He is undergoing this awful death. And it says, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling out to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he, he fell asleep. What a horrible, awful death it must be for someone to be stoned. And yet, what was he doing while this was taking place? He was saying things that remind us of what Jesus said on the cross. Why? Because he had the Holy Spirit in him. But not only that, Holy Spirit was dwelling within him. How else could we, we think instead of saying, and finally he died, it says, he fell asleep. It's supernatural. But what did he see when he got a glimpse of heaven? He had the Spirit dwelling in him, and here's what he saw. Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus was not sitting in the position of a judge at that point. When Stephen was going through the worst thing in his life, 
God opened the heavens so that Stephen could see his Savior standing on his behalf. What are you going through? What is it? We see Stephen in his greatest moment of need being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and his Savior standing for him. If you belong to Christ by faith, you don't need to fear Jesus sitting in judgment on you. Christ, our advocate, has taken care of that. Rather than that, he prays for you, and when necessary, he will stand for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that whether we have recognized it or not, we only take our next breath because your Spirit sustains us and the Lord Jesus is praying for us. But thank you that when we need him, he will stand. We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.